Tschüss. First of all, I just want to say thank you to all of you guys for welcoming me into your community these last four weeks and for supporting my art. It really means a lot. Um, the last poem I have to read to you guys is about that idea of community and um, just the oneness of humanity, how together we're so many people and capable of so much good, but still flawed, and sometimes we stand in our own way um, in that process. Today is the madness of fine, to be enough for our own minds. We are lights, and lights are strong. We are human as a seed. We are liberating gods. We are devoted to death, our days and evening seeing. We are disrupted by knowing. We are stupidly bare. We've been eating the world. We'll never hear the day, the north of morning, but we'll see her in the afterglow of sunup, that mildly burning, mother of hopelessness, cheeks pink and senseless. Thanks. We are in a study on 2 Corinthians, so if you have your Bibles, please turn there, and we will be looking at a couple of verses. Uh, we have made a ton of progress in the last, like, eight weeks. We've made it through chapter one. Good job, guys. Way to go. Uh, and you're all thinking, well, Micah, that's kind of up to you, boss man, which I get. Um, Somebody said, how long are you going to be in 2 Corinthians? And I just said, well, I, I guess I really don't know. I'm hoping that, uh, well, no, that's not true. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm planned through about chapter 3, uh, almost chapter 4 on this, and uh, we'll take more verses at a time than we have uh, in the first couple, but there's a lot of important things here, this being one of them. Uh, in, the, in the landscape of New Testament theology and things that are said about God and about humans and the church, uh, in this book, or in the New Testament, really, this one's right up there at the top of the list as far as important things that are said that uh, we ought, that we would do well to remember. So uh, let's go ahead and read it. Uh, first chapter of 2 Corinthians, stand if you will. The second half of verse 20 through verse 22 says this, And so, through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Pray with me. God, as we uh, open ourselves up to this story and these words from your guy, Paul, we look to you for uh, things that we need to hear, uh, invitations, challenges, I pray, God, that you would shine your light, that it would be bright, but it would be gentle, as you always are, and that you would uh, call us out of the darkness into the light, that you would make us more and more like you, uh, filled with love, filled with grace, and filled with hope for what you're doing. All God's people said, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Last week, we talked about the yes of God in Christ. Paul has this, this section just previous to what we read where essentially I argue that God is not angry at you. God is not waiting somewhere to sort of lower the boom. He's not somewhere up on a cloud with a lightning bolt ready to be thrown at you the moment you drop it, miss it, say something that you ought not to, or look at something you ought not to, or do something you ought. That's not who God is. But rather, God is, in Christ, we see and hear the yes of God for you, for humanity, for us. Um, 
all that God can do to redeem and restore and recreate, God has done. All that God can do to redeem what God has made, he's done. It's already done. And the rest, as they say, is up to us. So this week, Paul turns towards the benefits of being in Christ, which is to say, those of you who have spoken this amen, who have said, yes, let it be, may it be true, um, those of you who have done that, uh, here's what's true of you, right? The first yes was all that God hoped for and imagined and dreamed of in and through Israel is complete and fulfilled in Jesus. It's yes. And then to all of humanity, it's yes in Christ. And then the third one is up to you and I, as I said before. So this is a message that's about you as an individual, but it's also a message that's about us as a church, which will become very important here in a few moments. Um, this is, a, this is a, a, a teaching of reminder. It's something where we sort of lean in and we hear, don't forget who you are. Don't forget this. Don't leave this behind. Keep this one close. I get distracted by things. I don't know if that's obvious to any of you. Um, I, I often forget things. I will be sitting in my office or at, at, at home and I'll think, oh, I have to do dot, dot, dot. And so I'll get up and I'll make my way to the kitchen or the basement or wherever. And I'll come into the room and I'll stop and I'll think to myself, what am I doing here? Anybody ever been there before? Yeah, like, why, why, why am I here? Uh, which is a great existential question. You know, not just... <laughs> What, what, why am I here? For many of us, I think, myself included, life happens and we forget. We forget menial things like, why did I leave my office and go to the dining room? But we forget things like, who am I? At the center, at the core, at the foundation, the essence, who am I? What does the fact that this Jesus guy has died and resurrected, what does that say? about who I am. And Paul has some things for us here. Uh, there, are, there are lots of competing voices, right? All you need to do is check out at the grocery store. I hate that line, by the way. They are mean and cruel people. Whoever make those things at the grocery checkout aisle, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, you go in there with your kids and it's just like, you, you preempt it. If, you, if we get to the checkout aisle, the answer is no. You may not have a tartan tiny. You may not have a pack of gum. You may not have some chapstick. You may not have batteries. No, no, no. The answer is no in me to you, right? And all those stupid magazines, gosh, they, I, it drives me nuts. All you have to do is go to the grocery store to find that there's a million competing voices to tell you who you are or what you're not. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation has come. What does that mean? Amidst our brokenness and amidst our darkness, that there is life and light bursting forth right here and right now. New creation. Paul seems to think at a fundamental level that something happens in us when we say yes to Christ. Something changes in us. Something is reborn or reclaimed or remade. Well, some would say we're born like a second time, right? Nicodemus, what does it mean to be born again? So here's what I want to do this morning. Um, shorter than normal, but I want, to, this, I want to unpack a few things in this verse, a couple of words in this verse that I think are really weighty. They have a lot to them. They have a lot of depth and breadth. So I want to show a little bit of that. 
and then reread the passage as if, um, you know, with new information, what does this really mean? And then just two implications, and then I want to move towards communion. So here's the verse again, um, if we can put that up there. And so through him, the amen, and you'll notice bolded words here, you'll see uh, uh, through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So let's take these in turn. Amen. It's a Hebrew word, and it literally just means, uh, so let it be, or yes, I agree. Um, May it be true, right? So when we get to the end of prayer and we want to stop, we always say, amen. It's not just a convenient way to stop praying. It actually means something. It means that what I've just said, or those who are with me, we're in agreement. So let it be. May it be true. Yes to that. I agree. So Paul begins with, we have spoken through Christ, through him, we've spoken this amen to the glory of God. Together, as a church, as a community, remember this is a church he's writing to, we've said yes, let it be. May it be so to what has happened in Jesus. Amen. And now, because of that, it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm. This is the first of four verbs in this passage. This one is the only one that's in present tense, which means that it's an ongoing action. And essentially what Paul is saying is, you'll see all the words uh, up, uh, uh, behind me. I'm not going to try to announce or pronounce them all. But this word means to ratify, if you remember this is like a political term, ratify, secure, establish, pass, like I guarantee. So because this amen has been spoken, God is at work in you and in us confirming and saying yes to or affirming or ratifying, guaranteeing something that is happening in us and through us. And it's an ongoing thing. God is always at work in his church. God is always at work in you who have said yes to him. And then he goes on and he says, because of this, right, you, this, this work and action of God is happening because you've been anointed, which is a really bizarre kind of churchy uh, religious word. I anoint thee, you know. People talk about, you know, there's such an anointing on that person. And that's kind of, can we be honest, that's kind of bizarre, right? That's kind of odd language. What does that really mean? It's, only, it, it's based in an image from the Old Testament and beyond where someone was set apart for a particular task, prophet, priest, or king in the Old Testament, and that person was then anointed. They would take olive oil, lots of olives in Israel, very tasty, by the way. They would take olive oil and they would anoint that person's head with oil. This was how they sort of selected a new king. Think Samuel anoints David. He anoints Saul. Think of the woman who comes to Jesus and breaks the perfume and anoints Jesus' feet with her hair in tears. It's to say this person has been set apart. Another word you might recognize is consecrated. For a particular task, for something. Uh, I've just gone through the ordination process in our denomination. Some of you know this. And there's one thing that's left, which happens on June 28th in Chicago. If anybody wants a road trip, I'll be there. We could go to Wisconsin Dells, the Lazy River. It's going to be hot. That's a joke. Um, I'm telling you, you guys have... (laughs) First hour thought that was hilarious. I mean, they were just in stitches. I don't get you guys sometimes. 
your hard work, man. They got to be really good jokes. All right, all right, okay, playing hard to get. That's fine. I've got, I've got more. You, I'm not as scared of you. <laughs> Anointed. So there's one thing left. It's, 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 it's going to happen in Chicago and where they gather all of the ordinands together and they anoint them. And they put oil on our heads and they lay hands on us, which is a symbolic gesture of prayer. <laughs> that these people have been set apart for something that they would faithfully deliver and give the word of God to the people that they lead. And these people affirm that anointing and bless that, sort of say yes to that. They say amen to that and send us back to the churches that we're a part of. So that will be happening, consecrated, set apart. So Paul says, we've said this amen. God is doing this thing, confirming us together because we've been anointed. We've had this seal set upon us. Any Game of Thrones fans? You might be a little nervous to raise your hand about that in church, but it's okay, friends. Go ahead. I've watched Game of Thrones, all right? Great show. Uh, Robin Hood, Lord of the Rings, right? Tolkien, okay? Uh, often when a letter or communication would come from a particular person in, in these times, they would take it and they would take wax. You've seen them like, you know, they hold it over the can, over the fire, and then they smear the wax on the, the, the break of the seal of the letter, and then the king or whoever stamps the wax with his seal, which is to say that this communication comes on behalf of and in the authority of the king whose seal is represented on it. You tracking? So what Paul says is you and the church have been sealed as a deposit guaranteeing God's lordship, which is church word of saying like God's faithfulness and um, leading of this community. You've been sealed on behalf of and in the authority of this king, so to speak. And because of that, Paul says, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts. This is a, uh, one of my favorite words in all of the Bible. It's pneuma in Greek. It's ruach in Hebrew. And it, 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 has to, it literally means breath, wind, or spirit. So when the spirit of God is talked about in the New Testament and it blows through in Acts 2, this is the pneuma of God. In the, in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible begins with the Ruach of God hovering over the chaos and the waters of the deep. And what happens is the Spirit of God brings life out of chaos, makes beautiful things out of dust. That's what does this. And then in Genesis 2, Adam, which is Hebrew for uh, humankind or man, is made from the dust of the earth and God breathes what? The Ruach. And Adam is, is animated as a living soul, it says. So what makes life come out of chaos in Genesis 1 and what animates you and I, the spirit, the breath, the wind of God is given to you and to the church. Where? In our hearts, right? This is where they get it from in Sunday school. It's not because it's, you know, cute and trite. It's because the word cardia, this is where we get cardiac, cardiologists, cards. Thank you very much. All right, all right, I get it. That was a little weak, that was a little weak. No, cardia, it's heart. And, and this is what Paul is saying. This is not just like Sunday school, invite Jesus into your heart. No, what he's saying is this, literally. Cardia means the heart, 
the mind, character, inner self, will, intention. It is the essence. It is your ground of being. That's what's being talked about here. Not the thing that pumps blood through your veins. It's that, but it's more than that. The very essence and core of who you are. Paul says, this spirit, the same one that gives life in creation, the same one that animates Adam, the same one that resurrects Jesus from the dead is now given to you as a deposit of what is to come. Last word, deposit. This is like uh, often, often used in um, contract for services, right? So I come to you and I say, I'd like you to do a job for me. You have the skills and tasks uh, necessary to do the job. And so I give you a portion, a, a earnest money, as it were, like, like you do in uh, real estate transactions now. There's earnest. I give a deposit, which is guaranteeing the full amount that is to come, but it also obligates you to complete the work. So it's a two-way deal. It's not just one-way giver, but it's a gift that's given and a faithful or a deposit that is good on the whole that is to come, which is of course resurrection. What God does for Jesus at Easter, God will do for all of humanity in Christ. You'll hear me say that again, probably on Easter. What God did for Jesus at Easter, God will do for all of humanity. So this spirit is a deposit on that, but it also obligates us in the work of the kingdom. Because we've been set apart, sealed, anointed for a task. So if you're going to put all this together, here's my long, very long run-on sentence about in kind of including all of this. Okay, here we go. And so through him, the yes and let it be true is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who is actively confirming both us and you together in Christ. We know this because he has in and through his divine authority, set us apart for a special task, consecrated us with the power that enabled resurrection and the ring that now symbolizes it. He has sealed us and his ownership of us and put the same wind and breath that enabled creation and animated the first humans into the very fiber and center of our souls as the evidence of his work and a down payment which both guarantees for us what's true of Jesus, resurrection, but also enlists us in the work of resurrection until he comes. Come on now. Amen. So gang, remember the Corinthians, right? They're wrestling with Paul. They're wrestling with, can we trust this guy? Is he an apostle? And Paul, in a very sort of, remember what he's just talked about, the yes of God in Christ? He says, you can't say yes to Christ and no to me. Because if you've said yes to Christ, then God is at work confirming, affirming, creating this thing called the church. You can't say yes to Jesus and no to me. We're in this together, Paul says. It's not only true of you as an individual, which was, you know, just a tee up for our culture. We love that. Like, what's true about me? Just tell me what's true about me. I want to know. Come on. What is it? What is it? Personal salvation? Yes. Amen. Per right? What's true about me as an individual, but what's true about us? as a community of people who follow this Jesus. Paul says, we're in this together. Despite what may come your way, despite what challenges you might face or adversity might come along the way, dear Awaken, you have been sealed, 
anointed, set apart, and a deposit of the Spirit of God at work in this community has been given, which now enlists us and obligates us to the work of resurrection in our communities. We have been set apart to demonstrate and announce the way of Jesus in the city. We've been anointed for that task. Regardless of what happens, So what does this mean? At least two things, certainly maybe more, but at least two things. Number one, your worth has been settled. Your value, it's not up for negotiation. It is not a question mark. How much you're worth, if you're worth anything, regardless of what you have done, said, didn't do, didn't say, I'm, I'm pausing here to let you think of all of those things, those voices that you hear. Your worth has been settled. Your value is a done deal. And it's everything. You're worth dying for. You're worth sacrificing everything. You have infinite worth unfathomable worth. You can't put a number on it. We begin with the assumption that you are worthy of love and belonging because of what has happened in Jesus. And regardless of whether you have said yes to you, regardless of whether you're not sure and you're checking this thing out, your value has been settled. That's true. Regardless of what you think about it because of what Jesus has done and says. And we hear mixed messages, conflicting messages about our value and our worth, right? And it's often based on what we do, what we attain, what we gather, what we can, what we can get, what we can do for someone or something. And so we live our lives looking to receive affirmation of worth and value. My self-esteem is often connected to what you think about me, if I'm being honest in weak moments, and the same is true for you. If you get the job, if you, if you are in the relationship, if you can achieve it or produce it, if you can measure it, if you can get this promotion or this scholarship or win this award or do this thing or get this whatever, then I'm dot, dot, dot. And that's just not true according to what the Bible says. The Bible says it. I believe, no. I was, I was thinking about like, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The question is, do you believe that? So Paul says to the Corinthians, you are worth, your worth is not up for grabs. Regardless of whether you're in Jesus or not, you're worth dying for. You're worth sacrificing everything for. And he says, for those who are in Christ, you have everything that you need. Have you ever been around somebody who just has this sort of magnetic presence to them? where you, 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 you kind of do anything that you can to get time with them or you, you want to be close to them because whatever you are, it's like they're a gift to you and it's, they don't need anything from you, but they just come with open hands and give you what they have. have you ever, do you know people like this? 
These are often the, the wisdom, you know, the sages of the traditions and the wise people because they've come to the conclusion that they have everything that they need and so they don't need to come to you and leech value or worth or belonging or affection because they have everything. That, imagine like a bubble around you, if you will. What Paul is saying is that there is this bubble around you, call it in Christ, and everything that you need is there. You need not go outside of it for anything. So for the sake of the illustration, food, air, oxygen, value, significance, esteem, worth, it's all in there. It's yours. It's already been decided. And for this church, we need not go outside of this. We are in Christ and everything that we need has been given to us. Because the spirit, the same spirit that animates Adam and makes beautiful things come out of nothing, that spirit is here. We have everything that we need. And imagine what happens when those people or that church comes into the world and just says, hey, here we are. What we bring is gift because we need, we don't need affirmation that we're right. We don't need affirmation that you're wrong. We don't, no, no, we don't need. We have everything that we need. It has already been given to you. Already been given to you. So these are a few of the things that Paul is saying, at least in this passage. Now, this, uh, you might wonder how this all makes sense, but in a moment, hopefully, it will become more clear. So I want to invite my friend Ben to come. And Ben is going to uh, add a little bit to what I have said, and then we are going to move towards communion. That was a good sermon, Michael. Uh, my dear friends, I barely got through this last gathering, so just have grace with me. And if you're new, have double grace. Uh, I'm going to be transitioning away from Awaken and taking a job at another church called Westwood, which is where I lead worship on Sunday night and Saturday night. And uh, it's been one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make because choosing between some something that you love or something that you feel called to do is not easy. Uh, this is uh, a choice that I did not make uh, for any lack of awaken or any ill thing happening behind the scenes, there's nothing, nothing like that. I believe in this place. I believe in you, and I love you with all my heart. This is uh, something I actually turned down twice, and uh, over the period of a year and a half, and uh, through, just to make it a snapshot, uh, God began to speak something different to me and I think asking me to invest in a different way. Um, I feel like this is going to uh, draw out some of the things that are dormant within me in terms of leadership, these kinds of things that I feel like God wants me to do and I don't know exactly why or to where or how that is, but 
this opportunity is uh, something that's going to train me. And I don't think I could do that without making a change. I'll be going to seminary as one part of that. Giving myself to something that uh, needs a creative vision, needs a mentor to different worship leaders. When we were singing earlier, uh, you make beautiful things. And when you guys were singing, you make me new. And I just backed off from the mic and just hear your voices. That's going to be it. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss who you are. But that's what God's doing in our midst. And, and we can trust that. God is the good gardener that takes care of this thing. I was here when this thing started. I saw it come out of the ground. And it's going to continue to grow and become more beautiful than you can even imagine. And he, he will use you if you say yes. My heart is for you. Uh, I will be a part of helping the transition and, and not leaving you uh, fledgling. But uh, I, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for who you are. Thank you for what you've deposited in me that now I'm going to now that it's going to bear fruit in a lot of people's lives. Thank you for um, everything. I love you. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined how lucky I would be to be a part of a church like this and to have a hand in beginning it with two people that I think more than anything, I'm going to miss my friend and I know in my head that we will find God in the midst of this because this is what God does. But for me, it's hard to imagine something else right now. And so I trust that uh, by Easter, uh, God will give us 
at least seeds of something that we can see. And for many of you who started Awaken with us, um, we want to say that uh, there is a, a death of something that we will mourn. But I'm so excited for Ben, and I bless him and Jackie, and I'm excited for what God will do in their midst and in the things they have their hands to. I want you to know that the vision of this church was from the beginning to demonstrate and announce the way of Jesus, and that doesn't change. And we have everything that we need, not because we don't need Ben, but because the Spirit of God is here. And if that's true, then we're going to be okay. My commitment to this church and to the vision of this church and Toff's as well is as strong as it was the day we began. And so uh, <clears throat> as hard as this is and as much as we will need to cry tears uh, at times and uh, wake up one day with hope and end with despair, um, that's part of the process. And so we'll do it together. Um, as we close today, uh, we want and wanted to serve you all communion as pastors as a way to say, don't forget that it's this body and this blood that confirms and affirms and seals and deposits the Spirit's activity here. And so uh, I'm going to offer a word of prayer and then... Uh, Traffic flow is always a nightmare in here, so get your pens out. <coughs> We're going to go this way, and if you guys could come this way. So if you're over here, just go around that way. Uh, and we would like to offer you communion. And then we would like to close uh, with one song. Now, keep in mind here, uh, we usually have stations for gluten-free, but um, Ben will have the bread. It will be, the big bucket will be glutinous. <laughs> the little one will be gluten-free. Uh, I will have red wine and grape juice that will be also glutinous. Toph will have red wine and white grape juice that will be for gluten-free. Um, so uh, as you navigate that, um, let me offer a word of prayer. God, you're, you're, you're the good God. You're a big God and you love us. You want what's best for us, and you always remain. You never, you never leave. And so as much as it hurts uh, for our friend to leave, we know that you remain, and we know that you are inviting things to life in Ben's life and in Jackie's life, and we say yes to those things with them. We pray, God, that as we take this bread and this cup, that you would remind us that we are yours, that you, are, you have set us apart for something special, and that you have given us your spirit to do it. And so we say yes to it. So come and eat. Mm -hmm.
find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.